Joe Conroe. Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio, right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations. And we're streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. As always, you can check out Facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. Um, that's where all the magic is supposed to happen, but uh, it's not magic, it's an illusion. Whoa. Just, I think all magic is illusion. Yeah, it's really depressing if you think about magic. Uh, I'm Corey DLG and with me as usual is Little Brother Nico. So depressed about magic. You buy you buy tickets, you go to a, like a show, the guy amazes you for an hour, and then on the drive home you realize like he just lied to you for an hour and you clapped and paid eighty bucks. I mean, yeah. But is that every performance? Is that include plays? No, because plays you know are like you go to a magician for him to amaze you with fake magic. Like, you go to a play knowing that they're going to put on the same play that's been put on for 100 years. Right, but it's effectively fake people telling a story <laughs> that's that may well, or may no, not even real, be real. It's real people telling a story, and the actors get to put their own sort of character into the Like, in theory, acting is each person doing their own version of a character, right? Like, uh, Chris Pine's Picard, or uh, Chris Pine's Captain Kirk is not William Shatner's Cap- Captain Kirk. Yeah, true. His but I mean, like, Captain Kirk's not a real person, so right. But that's sort of the point, right? Because each of them is doing a different version of it. I mean, I, I see your point. I don't know how it's any less of a lie, though. Uh, I think one is more a performance than a lie. Like, I think acting is a performance, and I magic mean, is not a performance. I thought no, that was the whole point because they're called technically they're called illusionists. I mean, their actual title is Go Fulham. I mean, like, isn't the point that we're supposed to forget that they're these actors and that they're actually these characters? I don't know. Like, we're, not, we're, not, we're not actively trying to think of Chris Pine here. Like, you're like, you're trying to make me believe that that's Captain Kirk and not Chris Pine. Oh, no, I never do. I don't know. I don't feel like I do that very often. No, but I mean, like, I don't know actors. Like, to me, those are the characters. Might as well be. Like, I know they're yeah, not. And I know, and I know actors. Not that I know these people personally, but like, I identify the actor. And so, like, I'm going to see their iteration of it. Like, I really like how Chris Evans has portrayed Captain America, but I'm under no illusion that that is Captain America. Like, another actor would do him differently. Right. Um, I don't know. I I just feel like I feel like a magic show is more particular I mean it's more it's more direct line (laughs) yeah because like he's like now I'm gonna make a tiger disappear and you're like no you're you're not like I won't be able to see the tiger but it won't really be gone it'll be somewhere that's what the laws of physics told me right unless you really are exact same place it already is I just won't be able to see that place anymore because of a mirror or something yeah, that's why I never understood the whole, like, magicians on TV kind of deal. What do you mean, why? Uh, like... Just so, because, like, because of production, like, they can just put the cameras anywhere? Right. <laughs> yeah! And even in, like, a continuous shot, things could be edited and changed, and, like, you would just never know. <laughs> and now that there's deep fakes, like, forget it, right? Like... Yeah, like, the advancement of, of, of filmmaking technology. Like, there's absolutely no way any, like, kind of, like, oh, look, even this person is performing this in front of 
you know, random passerbys in Los Angeles. It's like, oh yeah, sure, the place where all the actors are. <laughs> yeah, let me let me let me see. You didn't just get two randoms off the street and just say, act surprised, and then I'm gonna wave my hands around. <laughs> well, you know, that's actually the oldest form of of magician was street magician, and those were actually gypsies working in in teams. Yeah, because they'd be like, oh, look how amazing this is. And they're like, oh, so impressive. Well, and the gypsies would actually be stealing from certain people in the crowds while helping the magician perform his tricks. Like, uh, so when they do the thing where they dramatically, like, they're holding your wallet and they go one, two, three, and they're dramatically moving their hands with each of the numbers. And mm-hmm. then, like, the third one, it just, like, vanishes. They're really throwing it over the crowd, and a gypsy is behind them catching it. Yeah. And, uh, like, that's actually the oldest form of, like, performance illusion magic, I guess. You just have to get so good that people willingly give their money to you. Right. It's just robbery with extra steps. (laughs) (laughs) It's legal robbery, I I guess. I guess that's where we're landing on it, right? Legal robbery? Is that what we're deciding? Yeah, this went, yeah, magicians went from lying to advanced stealing. (laughs) Like, like, all right, convince me, convince me this isn't the case, right? You play a thief in D&D, and your whole bit is that you're trying to learn magic so you become the greatest thief of all time, where people just willingly give you their wealth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even in, um, even in Dragonlance, at one point the companions are thrown across the, the continent, they're on the other side of the globe, they've lost their money, they've lost all their gear, um... And they're kind of stranded in this in this smaller town, um, and they don't want to be recognized, so they become a traveling performance troupe. And Raceland the magician is like the main act, and he does a bunch of like small like performance magic, like cantrips and stuff, to like put on a show while they're going around. And so like the the barbarian, his brother, like does feats of strength, and then the girls do dancing bits and. They each do little things, but then the the main act is Raceland doing actual magic as though they're like, um, who are the guys Illusionist. the Tigers? Oh, uh, like, uh, oh, man, really Roy? Yeah. Showman? I don't know what they're called. Yeah, they were called Siegfried and Roy. But yeah, it's just them doing performance magic. That's all it is. And they, they build up enough money to like buy new gear and get their own little caravan. Raceland even buys like a covered wagon. Like <laughs> they're rolling in style after that. See, advanced robbery. <laughs> kind of what it is, and they even use the cover of it to um, move along the enemy lines because they're sort of like minor celebrities because they because the different troops have heard about them now. Yeah, now now that they're known, they're like, oh, that's not that weird that these people are traveling here, right? And they would just travel through the enemy camps performing. Take the enemy's money, buy more gear to fight the enemy with it. See, advanced robbery. We're coming to a we're coming to a conclusion here. It's I all suppose, full circle. I suppose it is, uh, but it's definitely yeah. If it's robbery, then it's definitely lying too. Yeah, well, I mean, cheating and stealing. It's like the 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 two that are always together. <laughs> because then they're like, "Well, did you take it?" And then you say no because you're lying. <laughs> Although my favorite, like, cool little storytelling bits, I think, come from magicians. Um, like, I loved in The Prestige with Christian Bell and Hugh Jackman. 
when early on in the movie, Christian, have you ever seen that movie? No, of course so I haven't. Very early on, they're all working for this other stage magician. I don't remember who that one was. And Michael Caine is like the mentor, like showing them all how to be magicians, but he's running that show. He's, he's creating tricks that the magician does on stage. So he's like building tools and stuff like that. Um, and Christian Bell and Hugh Jackman are apprentices. Like their job is to sit in the stands and get picked to go, go up and do stuff and things like that. Um, oh, I think I've seen part of this movie, but I've never seen the whole thing. And so anyway, at one point they're in a new town and there's this one particular magician who does this amazing trick. And Michael Caine's like 20, 20 copper to whoever figures out the trick first. And so the apprentices all go and watch it, and Christian Bale immediately knows the trick. And it's a little bit of foreshadow, too, because of his character situation. But the, the, the show is this old man does all these magic tricks. And the big finale is this old man makes a giant fishbowl full of water with a big koi fish appear out of nowhere. And essentially the trick is he's actually a young, strong man, and he's been holding the bowl between his legs the whole show while he does everything else. And so the reveal is actually, even though it's called the prestige, that's the reveal. There's three steps to an act, and one of them is the prestige when you show the reveal and everyone cheers. But really, the the actual act is this guy's whole life. Also, he can do that one trick. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It is a neat bit, right? And then it's an even cooler bit story-wise, and Christian Bell's the one who figures it out. Because in the movie, Christian Bell is secretly twins playing the same person. Right. So they can be he, in two places at once. Yeah, and so when he actually reveals the trick that it's, that it's a man pretending his whole life, he's actually telling on himself, but the only reason he was able to figure it out is because that's who he is. Right. Yeah, That's the. Uh, I remember the ending of this movie because I've seen part of it. The coolest part is the part with the red ball at, towards the end. Uh, so Christian Bell's in jail already, accused of murdering Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman shows up saying that he's going to adopt Christian Bell's daughter. He's, he's now pretending to be a third party. Uh, and Christian Bell's telling one of the prison guards, he's got the red bounce ball. He's bouncing it and the guard is always nervous. And he goes, don't be nervous. You'll know when the trick's coming. Cause I'll ask if you're watching closely. And the, the guard's like, Oh, so right before they hang him, Christian Bell's like, are you watching closely now? And the guard starts to freak out. The hang him, Christian Bell dies, but his manager is also the other brother in disguise. And so the other brother takes the red ball and is bouncing it and kind of winks at the guard, and the guard like freaks out. Yeah. It's a good little it's a good little bit. Pretty good bit. Also, there's a weird Tesla reference in there. You know, Tesla. <laughs> well, it's a weird thing. Because Hugh Jackman goes off in search of real magic because he he doesn't know how Christian Bell is doing the uh, the transporting box trip trick, and so he goes in search of quote unquote real magic, and he winds up hooking up with Tesla. Like it's a weird thing. Yeah, oddity. Oh, upon I love oddity. oddity upon oddity. I do love the I do love the fact that like every like fictional version of Tesla has him as like an even more super scientist, like. Yeah, Tesla's working on some amazing things. It's like, yeah, but actually he was building a rocket ship to another dimension. <laughs> he actually was our defender of our realm from other dimensions attacks. 
Yeah, he didn't actually even die. He's just made of electricity now. Right. He keeps he keeps Cthulhu in a in a glass jar in his basement. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they're all like. like, <laughs> like I get it, guys. We like we like Tesla, but Jesus. Yeah. But it's but but it's because like it's a weird story, right? Like to be right about everything and to still be an abject economic failure and to like suffer so much and to have such a weird rivalry. Yeah. I mean, like that's, he's like the definition of like why we know like meritocracy isn't real. (laughs) Him and a million others, but yes, very specifically. The suit, but like he exemplifies it to like a like an exorbitant degree because it's like he really was the best and the smartest, right? And then when you look at some of the stuff he figured out that we're that we still don't even do to the, like the idea that they like chart like electricity through the air, like yeah, and like that they could capture current just moving through the air, blah blah blah. Like I mean, just all of it. It was kind of a weird. Well, because it sounded like space magic. <laughs> it kind of did. It kind of did. Well, it kind of is. Uh, and then his... I don't remember which one was his and which one was Edison's, but one of them was ACDC, one of them was ACAC. And then, like, the war they had, and, and Tesla's was actually better, but Edison won. Like, I don't remember, like... Yeah. It was just a lot of interesting stuff there. And, like, we moved to one after the other. Yeah, no, it's all... Like... Learning but, anything about like how the math and you know, all that works is just insane. But Edison was a, kind of a loser too, though. I mean, yeah. Like, even though he's credited with a lot of inventions, everything he invested in wanted being the wrong thing at the wrong time. Like, he saw no investment in in motion picture, um, and sold that rather quickly. Right. Yeah. And there's a ton of stuff that like right. no. Like, but I mean, people. There's always gonna be people that you're, they're just wrong. They have the worst hot takes. My favorite one is the one about the internet, where he's like, "The internet's gonna blow over in like two years." <laughs> um, <laughs> that one's still my favorite because he's like, "No one's gonna be talking about the internet in like two years," and then it, it turned out to be the most important thing humanity has probably ever created. I love the quote from the head of the patent office around like 1880 or whatever it is. When he's like, he's like, everything that's important that needs to be discovered has and will be discovered already. And it's like before the invention of everything in modern society from TVs to cell phones to internet to like, yeah, before like, all of it. Like, that's that's how you know, like, that was that was primal man's death. That was the death of, of humanity that was like, all right, we need all our bases covered. Like, new yeah, age I humanity, here we come. <laughs> I think that's a good way to put it. Like, it was, now that all of our needs have been met, now we can sort of push out and explore, right? Right, yeah. And I think... Like, uh, heck, I, my our, my hobbies include talking to someone over a magic electric box <laughs> and playing shaped cardboard squares with my friends. Yeah, and friends was an invention because you didn't have those before. Yeah, no. It's, they're all imaginary. I made them all. <laughs> Who's funny? This guy. <laughs> but yeah, I definitely think... Um, yeah, I do think that, like, Death of the Primal Man is a good way to put it. Like, we had met all of our needs, and so there was no imagination for what was next. 
Because it was yeah, like, well, like, we've got we've got shelter and heat and free time and and work and money. So what else do we even? Right, yeah, we don't even have to like move. We have refrigeration. <laughs> right. We could take a train from New York to L.A. in four days. What do we even need anything else for? Like, we have travel and <laughs> entertainment. And they were like airplanes, and he went what? <laughs> Cell phones, and he just had a stroke and died. That was it. Yeah, I like to imagine he died before then, but you know, just in case, it was, the, it was the cell phones that definitely killed him. It was the idea of a phone that killed him. That's funny. That is funny, though. No, I definitely. Um, I guess we could keep fast forwarding it to, we get all the way to the idea of like, internet and then things on the internet. Uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. a young a young man was bragging to me about how great Spotify is. Good old Spotify. Uh, and everything he was describing didn't sound great to me. I what think our values it? have shifted. What's the what's your beef with Spotify? So, okay. This is how he was describing why it's great. Okay. Now, I'm of the of belief that we should pay our artists. Um, and while I mean, Spotify does pay for streaming, I like to think that buying music is the right way to do it. Yeah, if you want to. Okay, that's fair. So for me, like, I think it's cool to buy music from iTunes. I buy singles and albums off of iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, I subscribe to Spotify, so I don't have to do that. It's like, okay, great. You give $10 a month to Spotify, but Spotify gives like 50 cents to artists. Like, it's not. Not even. They get like a like a penny, like a fraction of a cent per play or whatever. Well, that's what, but I mean, like, out of the $10 that he pays to Spotify, like, totally oh, like, from that $10 is probably 50 cents of payout. Right, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, to me, I was like, you're not really contributing to the artist as much. I was like, plus, if you're somewhere without internet or your phone's on airplane mode, like, you don't own the music. You're kind of SOL. And he was like, uh, I download songs from Spotify. And I was like, that's even more obnoxious. Yeah. That's my beef. If you're going to download, then buy it. Because you're already paying for the music. You're just not paying the artists. Like, who is Spotify that we need to pay them to listen to this other person's music? Well, I think I think it becomes because you can listen to so many things on Spotify. By the way, click or like and subscribe to us on Spotify. Right, yeah, we are on Spotify. <laughs> uh, so... We We're not getting any the... money for our streams. Like, what's up yeah. with that? Let me, let me, let's rack up all our, our, our payoff of Spotify. Oh, wait, there isn't any. <laughs> yeah, probably because they're out of place. But at right. some point, yeah, they... but even still, it probably yeah. only be like $4. <laughs> we want our two pennies. Yeah, we want our four cents. Shit, but I end I... posted. <laughs> I just honestly, you're yeah, paying like, to listen like... to somebody. Why not pay the artists? Because they can they can listen to everyone, you know. What if I only like one song off this album, and they then... buy the single? That's the other thing because iTunes sells all the songs. Very rarely is there a song on an album you can't buy. Right, but how much is a song on iTunes? Like a dollar? Yeah. Okay, but what if but people have four hundred songs on their Spotify? Are they going to spend four hundred dollars? Yeah, but the four four hundred songs is over time. Like they didn't no, download but all four hundred people... songs at once. Yeah, but you know, if you want to, okay. So the example would be like, okay, build your music library of the songs that you know right now. You probably know at least a hundred songs. Yeah, if I was starting from zero, I probably wouldn't spend a hundred dollars today. But I might spend three or four dollars here, three or four dollars there, 
you know, you don't have to do it all at once, but the idea that if you're paying $10 a month, that's 10 songs you could have downloaded that you chose not to. Yeah, but uh, like people's like mood shift all the time. Like, well, sure. I don't like I don't want to listen to the Mountain Goats every single day, although I do. Like, <laughs> but call that's your therapist. Not... Call your therapist. I I just want to cry about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Tom Holland interview. He's talking about how he cries all the time. <laughs> Tom Holland. He's, he's like, how... Yeah, he's he's talking about how he's like he's like. How often do you cry? He's like, I cry a lot. I cry like four times a week. And he's like, no, not four times a week. I do cry a lot, though. Like every day. No. <laughs> like he, like he's contemplating how much he cries. He doesn't want to hammer down a number. He's like, well, this doesn't sound right. Yeah, he's like, no, I don't cry that much. That's kind of funny. No, I just don't think the Spotify model, like it's a, probably a good business model for them, but only because it rips off the people they actually make their money from. Because oh, no, all they sure. are like, is a I music think... delivery vehicle. No, and that's and that's definitely true. I just think that for like a younger generation whose interests are all over the place, like it's different for you because you started buying songs a long time ago and like you already have a library. It's the it's, same thing with like it's like the same thing with like vinyl collecting or like any kind of collecting. Perhaps like because like, but... you're like like people who have a stamp collection. Are like here's all my six stamps, and like they built it up over twenty years and their collections are massive. I feel like but I'm if being someone's kicked like, in the shin right now. Did you just compare me to stamp collectors? Yeah, stamp collectors. It's applicable. No, it's just it's an it's are an applicable starting thing. Starting a fight with me? Okay, look, comic book collector. You want to do that one? <laughs> Were you around when 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 Incredible Hulk number whatever twenty eight? No. Oh no, one eighty one, sir. One eighty one. When when Wolverine made his first appearance? How did I know that's what you were looking for? Because I'm I'm dumb. <laughs> Brothers, that's how. No, I honestly, I just like I like. Were you around? Saying, I get what you're saying that like because I'm already in the collector. Because I already buy music. Buying music makes more sense to me. It's yeah. just for a generation that's so focused on like trying to do the right thing, which I think is great. I think probably one of the coolest things about your generation is you guys are looking for the most equitable solution to all problems. Now, it yeah. also makes you guys incredibly obnoxious sometimes because you act like compromising is the sin of humanity. But it also is refreshing yeah, well, when you guys are like... Compromise only... doesn't exist in our, in our vocabulary. I know. You guys are going to have to learn that one. But I do love it when you guys like... Y'all Y'all have created the concept of green investing. You guys have created the concepts like of equitable solutions to problems, not just solving problems. So like, I love these things, these ideas that you guys actually work really hard to, to create. But to me, this is one of those big dumb ones that you guys for somehow have never once complained about because it's, it's y'all love technology so much that y'all haven't even really dope. I think it's hard to imagine that musicians are the victims, but when you look at like low level musicians, like people that yeah. I know, but like the, a lot of times Spotify. their songs, yeah, the, well, a lot of times even their songs may not even be on Spotify. I know that there's a lot of times, there's a lot of songs that I, I listen to that aren't on Spotify, <laughs> Well, there's a whole fund um, that like radio stations and Spotify and streaming services pay into where they have unidentified artists. Like they say they don't know who the artists are and it's the fund's job to find them and give them their checks. But then there's guys like, uh, okay, you, you know that I personally know Jeff Canada, um, local music, Texas country music act here. He's making his way. His album's kind of 
it's a slow burning. He's an indie guy, but this is I think this is gonna be one of those things that he's in the middle of moving up, it looks like, mm-hmm. career wise. Um his Spotify plays, he posted a thing on Facebook, I think last month, where it was something along the lines of he had like fifty thousand Spotify plays. Okay, well I don't think he even got a check for that. Yeah. And part of that is because of volume, but the reality is if any time if somebody listens to your album fifty thousand times, that should be worth a couple bucks. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's not a bad deal. It's just that I feel like music is so important to some of these people. I think but it's like, one of the things they're not willing to make equitable yet. Well, it's 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 so important, but also they're like, but I don't want to. They don't have the, you know, they don't want to shell out the money for it. Like me personally, what I would like to do, but uh, like I'm a hypocrite because I don't even do this. Is you know, I like to buy the things. Like, if I'm using something, I'm gonna buy it. Well, and that's because though you and I have have had a different experience, right? Because we create content. And we meet content creators a lot, although not in the last two years, but before that, you know, we'd be at conventions and you look somebody in the eye as they tell you their story. You kind of feel a little more, okay, well, yeah, I want to buy this. I'm invested. Show me. I made this and you're like, cool. Here's some money. Here's some money for your effort in time. But the vast majority, also a lot of people, the idea of a musician is they're already wealthy. Right. Yeah. I was going to say like, Outside of, like, indie artists, a lot of people still have, like, absolute seething hatred of, like, the ultra-wealthy and celebrity artists are musicians. Yeah, musicians fall into that category. Because, you know, they make millions of dollars. And most of the time it's spent, you know, most most music, most money they make is is performing. So it's not even, like... Right, concerts. That has right. become their big moneymaker now is tour because studios have changed, labels have changed how they sign people for the rights to the music. And so now a lot of times it's the t-shirt sells and it's the beer and it's the tickets themselves that they make the money on now. And they have to pay a licensing fee to even play their own music, which is crazy. That um, I think is insane. I would never. I think that's sort of the reason I've always kind of enjoyed my indie status and, 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 even as things change over time, I hope to maintain a certain interest of control over what I create and, and content wise, just because listen, there's other shows that sign different deals and not all of them wind up coming out on the other side strong. Like Joe Rogan had the leverage to where he is his brand, but I promise you there are some shows that are signed to some contracts where, you know, the original people can be, can lose control of their shows. Well, I mean, even Joe Rogan had some episodes that just weren't on Spotify. Right. And that part, okay, I don't have a problem with that part. If Spotify doesn't want to air those, that's fine because Joe Rogan, I think, still has the right to do whatever he wants with his content, post whatever, or like he can put it on his Facebook page. or Like there are other avenues for him. I don't have a problem with that. If there's episodes Spotify doesn't want, I mean, they're the ones paying him a bajillion dollars. Like, right. If they want to put a couple of rotten vegetables back, that's fine. Um, but to me, it's more about the control of, of the actual content generating machine. Right. Which I guess is the person we're talking about. Maybe that's a weird way to refer to people. <laughs> I guess we're all truly machines. I am. Truly, I'm, I'm a we're all just machine. We're all just weird brain jellies controlling a body via electricity. Calm down, Tesla. I know, right? 
All right, I'm going to jump out to a break. When we come back, we got more Nerd Thug Radio coming your way. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories. This is Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio, just reminding you that if you're interested, and if you're bored, if you got some free time, if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place, The Adventure Begins should be an option you consider. Everything from D&D Adventures League to miniature painting uh, to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events. All those things occur at The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more. Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. This is Rudy Townjanovich, and welcome to Nerd Thug Radio. What's up, Conroe? Welcome back to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio right here on 104.5, 106.1, the sister stations. Streaming worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. And as always, check out the Facebook page, facebook.com backslash Nerd Thug Radio. This is Corey DLG coming back from the commercial break with little brother Nico. Hello. Wow, that was, you really blew that <laughs> intro. Okay. Powering through the level of unprofessionalism I have to deal with on a daily basis. Um, <laughs> I am not unprofessional. I am flabbergasted and offended. Uh, write both of those words down and email me the definitions. All right, I'll figure that out later. <laughs> uh, hanging out here on this Monday. Um, yeah, before we get into it any further, why don't you tell our friends about The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and more is open and at full operating hours. You are going to need a mask if you want to come inside, and they do have delivery and curbside options available. If you're still a little bit safe, even though we are now opening up 100%, and the traffic certainly has disagreed with me at every turn. <laughs> Maybe we should just go back, guys. Just go back home. The roads are too, too full of people now. You forgot uh, what traffic was like. It was awful. Driving <laughs> today was terrible. Anyways, something that's not terrible, the events that we have coming up. Wayo. Well uh, done. Nice segue. Two points. Uh, so... Monday, March 8th, uh, from 4 to 8 p.m. is Miniature Mondays. This is every Monday. You can come and hang out, paint, talk about minis, show off your minis, uh, and you can ask the in-store associates for access to in-store paints and supplies. Tuesday, March 9th at 5.45 is the Digimon Card Game Mini Tournament, $5 entry fee. Uh, volume 1.5 set prizes will be announced soon, so stay tuned to the Facebook page. I will be there. Hopefully, I will get to see you there as well. Ooh. Saturday, March 13th at 2 p.m. is Pokemon a casual meetup. And the same day, 13th, uh, Saturday at 6 p.m. is Hammer Time. Warhammer and Tabletop Warhammer is back. Has been back for a while, but it is up and running. And you can head on down to the Adventure Begins, Comic Teams, and more. Get your nerd on. All kinds of great uh, products. Fantastic store. Wonderful staff. Awesome products. It begins, comic seems more right there off of 1488. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, very clean, family-friendly. It's well-lit. It's a nice place to get into and just have a good time. Uh, it's not like your mom's basement. This is this is clearly a fun place to be. Yeah. Uh, they've got my books. They hold them. I get a discount. You should be taking advantage of the same. They've got a loyalty points program. It's awesome. The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. 
one of the few places on God's green earth where you can buy my comic books right there off the shelf. Oh, true, true. Yeah. Very fancy. Uh, I've got a Kickstarter going on this week. We are in the final week of it. We're about a thousand dollars away. I'm pretty confident we're going to make. We had a, we we had a little bit of a slow start, but the number is a fairly makeable number. I think we'll, I think we'll get into it no problem. Uh, we're debuting the second issue of DMA. This is a, an action-packed street fight issue. Um, it's the five superpowered marshals against the one of the telekinetic metas who murdered a bunch of superheroes in the first issue fantastic yeah it's fun man i'm excited i mean it's 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 a little stressful kickstarters are kind of a pain in the butt but i i'm starting to there's not a more mainstream indie friendly way to kind of kick in the door right i mean it's either that or indiegogo and that's literally it. Those are your only options. <laughs> right. But I mean, just as a, there's a bit of legitimacy that comes from doing a Kickstarter versus yeah. like, I mean, like Kickstarter was the first one. Everyone knows. Well, and even then if it, you go, go, you could, but what I mean specifically is like when I was first coming in, I was trying to do it completely on my own. We're like, I called about 40 stores and two stores took me up on it. Uh, when I did the first issues, Kickstarter, uh, Three different stores just seeing it on Kickstarter participated. So, like, there's just kind of a different level of, I, I mean, I guess it just feels a little more genuine on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of the struggle of the independent, though. Like, I want to get into stores. I don't necessarily know that I want to go through Diamond. I don't know that I like their two things. I don't know that I like their distribution model. Um, we also just don't like diamond because they're the worst well that too but even if i was considering using them their distribution model is something i don't really love they ship to the stores and then they pay the publishers about a month after the stores get the books but the way that spread is i have to pay to print probably two months before they get into the store and then i get paid two months after they get into the store so yeah, it's about it's, six months between when I pay to print to when I actually get paid for what I printed six months ago. Right. Yeah. Your your return your return window is super long, which is you know And in a modern in a modern economy that's that feels broken to me. Six months again, ago. Time. Diamond is also the people that said when the when the pandemic hit um, you guys got it. You're on your own. And just dipped on the entire deal really the industry. They really they closed all all of their distribution facilities all at once. They closed them all down, which I think by law, I think they were ordered to, but they were on the accepted list because they're a, a shipping warehouse, and the shipping industry was trying to stay open during the pandemic. Um, right. But they just said, "Now nah, we're good." Yeah, they said to protect their employees, they're just going to close, which. On one side is a good business move. On the other is a problem because they were essentially the exclusive dealer of American comic books. So they basically pushed pause on an entire industry for about 70, 90 days, something like that. Right, um, which is, uh, you know, what, I can I can count on one hand how many times monopolies have been good for industries. Well, and really one of the very few things that broke it was DC moving on. Yeah, they said, okay, that, that you know, that was cool. 
a nice right. temper tantrum. We're going to go figure something out. Yeah, if you don't want to ship our books, we'll find someone else who will. And they went to two or three of the biggest retailers to see if they could handle it. And I think you wound up that Mile High Comics in New York was able to handle it. And so they have now a distribution company spun out of Mile High that is handling the national distribution of DC Comics, which I I mean, here's here's the difference. In the last few weeks, due to weather and other issues, DC has been consistently delivered to the store, to the stores, here in Houston at least, while Diamond has been unable to deliver for like two of the last three weeks. So they got all of their books in, like three weeks worth of books all at once in from Diamond. So they had to crush their staff to get them all gone through and put in the baskets and, and put on the shelf and all that. But meanwhile, if you were getting DC every week, it was the same regular schedule. Right. And so Diamond really... Man, it's almost it... like competition breeds efficiency. Weird. Well, well, it does for one group. For the other group, it's breeding failure. Uh, and the reality is Diamond doesn't seem to be re- – I don't think Diamond has been responding well at all, but they don't seem to be able to respond to the fact that this other company is so aggressive in moving forward, just succeeding. Um, they, want it. they want to prove that they can, they can replace Diamond, and Diamond's like, ah, when do we got to ship this out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one company's proving that you don't need Diamond, and Diamond is over there in the corner – trying to prove that they don't need diamond it feels like like they're not doing they're not doing themselves any favor that's for sure yeah diamond diamond really accurate like oh get to it it's like you said that two weeks ago dude yeah and that's sort of the problem is their their consistency has been minimized and that's not atypical really the only thing that diamond was ever able the thing that diamond was always known for pre-pandemic is they had never missed a payment to a publisher so the idea right. was if you could get into Diamond and move your products, you would be able to consistently move it and you'd be happy about it and you'd get paid for it. Um, that's, that's the that's the bare minimum. It is, but in a lot of but in this particular industry, there'd been a lot of people who who hadn't done even that. As embarrassing as that is to say out loud, what that resulted in though was everyone accepting so little because well they've never missed a payment and that's really what we. As long as they pay on time, we can put up with a lot of other crap is basically how it boiled down. Man. Um, and over time, it became okay for them to give subpar service because they were the only game in town. Now that there's another game in town that's, that's outperforming them in a lot of metrics in a lot of ways, they're unable to respond because they've built their entire company as it's presently constructed on just being the only game in town. Um, right. You only have to be. You only have to be literally doing the bare minimum if you're the only one there. <laughs> yeah. In business, you always have to be the best. You're always striving to be the best in your industry. But if you're the only one in your industry, you're not striving for anything. Then. Yeah. You can do the bare minimum because you have an. You have a stranglehold. <laughs> right. Everyone has to be careful how hard they, you know, complain to you or how hard you know or. Every issue, as you resolve it, you don't necessarily have to resolve it all that fairly because there's nowhere else for these people to go. Yeah, if you want to be like, they're, you know, and a lot of times that's what happened uh, to like, I feel like these indie books or indie books were like, hey, uh, you know, can I get this published in Diamond? And then Diamond's like, why would you come to me? This is garbage. And they have to take it on their own. Yeah, so Diamond ultimately has a say over who they carry 
Now, allegedly, um, they say they'll carry anything that they think is commercially, you know, viable. Uh, then they're they're not trying to pick winners or losers. They're just trying not to pick losers. Um, yeah, I've seen the rejection letters though, where they say like the art doesn't seem to be commercially appealing, things like that. That's going to be subjective. Now, granted, if Diamond rejected, I'm I'm sure they know. I'm sure they've got some internal. They're like, this thing isn't even going to sell 800 copies kind of a thing. And that might be the case. Or they could just be wrong. Like, you never know. Well, um, like, you know, books that are, you know, may have been denied by Diamond, you know, Kickstarter, and then they make tons of money. Right. No, and that does happen. So I definitely think Diamond's in a, in a weird spot now because of Kickstarter, because of this uh the other distribution company i believe it's called lunar um they're just they're kind of being shown to to not be maybe the successful gatekeeper everyone thought they were maybe maybe there's a little bit of all of a sudden diamond isn't the well i think the the pandemic showed that diamond is ineffable (laughs) well it definitely showed that, that they can't be the be all end all like there has to be other ways to do this right this flimsy i barely been <laughs> they're basically the c grade student but the only student yeah like, exactly like they're getting 70s on every single assignment but they're the only person in your class so it's not like you can kick them out <laughs> and it's Damn. unfortunate but it's kind of you know what are they supposed to do at that point right. and that's sort of the frustrating thing about it is there's not a lot of other good options still a couple of publishers have moved on just completely. I think, um, is it, uh, there's one publishing company right now that just does, I think it's Scout Comics, where they only release completed miniseries and graphic novels, and they release them all at once, like at the same time. So, what you get when you're the store is you get a completed four issue miniseries, you know, and then a couple copies of the trade. And customers are able to pick which one, what, how they want to do it. Do they want to buy the box set of all four issues or do they want to buy the trade? I don't know that that's 100% the way to go. No, that seems really weird to have both. Like, I can see, like, oh, you want the individual issues and then, like, the complete, like, I, like, I understand that. But, like, who's honestly going to look at a miniseries and be like, yeah, I'm going to buy this four separate times <laughs> instead of just take the trade? Like, I guess if you're really into individual issues, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a buyer preference thing, and I'm with you on that. I don't know that. that I don't know that, that changes the business model really works. Yeah, I don't know that that's enough of a, a difference. Um, to me, I like I, it makes sense if it was like, you know, this book releases quarterly. We give you one of each, you know. Or, like, the first one, second one, so on and so forth. And then, like, the last one comes with the trade. Like That would make more sense. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I kind of... Yeah. I... But then you have to ship four times. I think the whole point is, like, oh, but the ship, you only have to pay shipping once. I, th- I do think that's part of it. But, I mean, in the box set is four separate issues. I don't know. I think they're trying something different, and I and I and I don't know that I think I don't. It might not be the best idea. I honestly different, different, not always good. Right, but they're at least trying something different, and that's sort of the issue. Is somebody's got to because the the 
I, well, I mean, it could you could also it could also be like timed release because I've I've heard of like stores that you know oh don't have this and sell until whatever date. Oh, so like, like, no, no, no! Because the way they're doing it is the individual issues are in a box together. Oh yeah, that's that's dumb. <laughs> so when you go to the shop, your choice is to buy the little box set with all four issues. Or, or buy, buy the trade exactly the same thing except less packaging. Yeah, and, and what they're trying to do is like some readers have different preferences. So and I and I would get that part. I like I get it, but not really, because at that point, like if I'm gonna read a comic book and my options are four individuals that I buy as one package or one book, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to buy the individual box unless it comes with like more stuff like artwork or like covers that I care about. Yeah, and I'm not sure what's in the trade. That's a fair point because I don't know what comes with the trades. Um, yeah, like if the trade's like, oh, you can buy the trade that's just the books or you can buy like the individual copies as a box set and it comes with like artwork and other stuff, then that would make more sense. But then which would you, would you just get the bare bones individual issues or would you get the trade? Well, at that point you'd get the, the one that comes with more stuff. It sounds like the book or like the individual books have more stuff because it's you probably got four different covers you probably have yeah i mean yeah you're probably right about that for sure that each one of them maybe has like an, a different info page because it's a monthly book i'm not sure um but they operate completely outside of diamond uh and then bad idea comics is is kind of debuting this year this is their rollout year and they are the same thing they operate outside of diamond um I'm not sure. I'm not sure which is better, inside or outside of Diamond. If you're outside of Diamond, the problem is, is like you you assume a lot of the risk, and that's a hard thing to kind of do. Yeah, because you're you know if you're the distribution is always really hard when you're independent. It genuinely is. So, like for this for this issue for this particular Kickstarter, so it's the second issue of the of the Department of Metahuman Affairs. Well, I did the first issue uh, Octoberish, and in that there were two different Kickstarter tiers that I chose. One of which was the first three issues, physical or digital copy, but all three of the first three issues. So anybody who bought that one is currently entitled to the second issue for free. So I don't need those people to do anything. I would like for those people to share and post and help me reach my goal. But they are already getting their copy. Um, and, I, and it's something I wanted to do specifically in the beginning because I'm trying to build up credibility and build up trust so that when I do a Kickstarter, people can go, okay, well, every time I do one with this guy, I get my stuff in a timely fashion and he's he's a hard-working cat um but i definitely think that there's it would be easier with the distribution partner but it's got to be a model that fits what i want to do right right yeah you can't go completely off the wall rogue yeah like you can't have somebody just show up and do like I don't know. I mean, I don't even know what would be so completely different, but just any anything where it doesn't actually, when you come in, it like two copies of the first issue, one copy of the second, one of the third, and then like, I don't or know. or just not doing what you said. 
Right. You yeah. know, I promised people the first three issues, and then all of a sudden they don't. They're like, oh, we ran out of space on the printer. Or, or I can only have... afford to do X amount, and I want to take care of other people. Like, you right, obviously yeah. have to honor these arrangements. Like, there's just no getting around it. That's how you build these relationships. Um, but yeah, I'm just sort of. As I'm looking at the different models and going through this Kickstarter process, I'm starting to think I'm starting to feel like Kickstarter is a better way to do it. But I'm uh, but I'm not exactly filled with the optimism that it's going to ever be the thing that opens the door for more. Like I feel like there's probably other things I need to do to take more steps forward. If all I ever do is just Kickstarters, I'll never act. I'll never be much more than just the the guy who made who made comic books who group funded comic books yeah and i think that's sort of the unique frustrating part that's for that's at least what i think i can see that but like what like what what is there like what else is there <laughs> that's the problem if 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 you're not doing kickstarter you're basically cold calling everyone on the planet. And one thing that's been helpful about Kickstarter is between the first, the first one, I think it was about 30 to 40%. This one, it's been about 30, 20 to 30% who have found the project so far, just found it organically on kickstarter.com. And there's sort of that element of built-in credibility because it's on Kickstarter. Right. Yeah. Post, especially after the first one, you know, yeah, the first people one making, got their books, and then the, everybody got their books in timely fashion. All of that, like that, kind of that made yeah. me pretty happy. Right, because it's not like a hey guys, uh, here's my ninth Kickstarter. Uh, I haven't gotten the first one out yet, but you know, I'll get there eventually. Well, and I definitely when I launched this one, one of the very first things I got was a message from somebody who said they never got the email of the first PDF and that was what they bought with the first Kickstarter. And so of course you want to take care of somebody like that. So I automatically went ahead and sent them the PDF for the first one and just said, Hey man, I appreciate your support. Like, here you go. And it wasn't any, you know, and there's no harm or foul there. Like if it, if it didn't happen, you know, if for whatever reason he didn't get it, of course you want to make that up to him because you want him to enjoy it and come back for the next one. Right. Um, but yeah, there's just little stuff like that. Ah, uh, crowdfunding. Where would we be without you? Uh, on a beach sipping my ties. No, I mean I don't know. It's tough to it's tough to judge. I don't know that. The problem is, is there's not. I don't probably think there's, there's probably not a genuine better way to to get this finished. You know what I mean? Right. Comic books is such an interesting field, but. I just don't understand it. That's a good way to put it. I just don't get it, man. <laughs> it um, It's slowly becoming easier. It really is. But it is a process, for sure. Said the world's slowest burn. <laughs> now, all that being said, this week is the final week for my project. It is DMA issue number two. Uh, that stands for Department of Metahuman Affairs. This is it. This is the street fight. Uh, this is Maelstrom, the telekinetic uh, bank robber from the first issue. He's been cornered, spotted by witnesses. 
The marshals have shown up to arrest him, and basically chaos ensues. It's pretty exciting stuff, man. Um, Are you barely telling us this the final week of your... <laughs> well, I only did it a couple weeks. I purposely only did it a couple weeks, and really I kind of thought it would fund completely through without even getting into it. Um, I didn't want... I was trying not to mix everything, but I, I think more and more I'm just becoming one brand. Everything is everything. I one think, is all I think, and all for one. I think just being Corey DLG, the Nerds Like Radio guy, who also makes comic books and sells t-shirts, I think that I, more and more I'm becoming okay with that being one thing. You're becoming the brand, the thing you've always hated. I really, listen. The as future. We, if this thing ever takes off, I want the one thing that's said from the beginning to the end is how much I fought the idea that A, we needed to be a brand, and B, that I was supposed to be the brand. We are the brand, Corey. And more and more, I, 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 I think you're right. Um, <laughs> with that, we're going to jump out of here. I want to thank everybody for listening today. On behalf of Little Brother Nico and myself, on behalf of Nerd Thug Radio and our sponsor, The Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. Uh, same Nerd Thug time, same Nerd Thug channel. The mask mandate does lift this week, Wednesday. However, um, our incredibly brilliant governor, in his wisdom to lift the mask mandate, then immediately did say, listen to the CDC and honor their request. If at all possible, their request is to wear masks. So go figure a hundred million vaccinations in a hundred days. We are well on pace for that now. Uh, Well, the country, I think Texas is only at six and a half percent. We, we got to step it up, Texas, especially if we want to start walking around without our masks. Um, I won't, I'll never understand why he didn't just set like a percentage goal. Like, Texas, if you get to 30%, you can take your masks off. It's just something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It feels like there were so many more common-sense solutions that he just completely skipped over just to make people happy. Um, but anyway, stay safe. Take care of yourself. Uh, look after your neighbor. Wear your masks if you can. Like, I know we're all annoyed with it, but honestly, it is the easiest way to slow the spread of the disease, the virus, and the flu. So there you go. Uh, same Nerd Thug time, same Nerd Thug channel. Thanks for listening, guys. See you on Thursday with Nerd Thug Sports at 2 p.m. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a wonderful store located right there on 1488 in Conroe that sells comic books, gaming cards, gaming accessories, board games, as well as all kinds of fun nerd assorted accessories this is Corey dlg of nerd thug radio just reminding you that if you're interested and if you're bored if you got some free time if you wanted to go hang out at an interesting or fun place the adventure begins should be an option you consider everything from DD adventures league to miniature painting uh to even competitive card play and even competitive gaming events all those things occur at the adventure begins comics games and more Interested parties should absolutely check out the Facebook page for more information. Hi, this is Kevin Smith, former Dallas Cowboy, Texas A&M Aggie as well. And I want to say what's up to Nerd Thug Radio.